and Eve Sarianos. Hello, I'm Emily Gilmarrett. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School Podcast. So um, today we are going to talk about um, writing and well, creating, if you like, um, the um, Maths No Problem uh, textbooks and workbook materials. Um, and um, Adam Gifford um, is going to be uh, chatting because I work closely with him. Normally, Adam, in our day to day relationship, I'm your publisher and, and you're, you're writing or creating. I'm not the boss. I'm not the boss. I'm very well aware of that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. are the Almighty, <laughs> and I'm and I'm very lucky to, um, to 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 work with you as a colleague. And actually, I think one of the things that's really, I think, works for us is that you're building on training content and you're building on the um, the book content. And I kind of see it as I'm there to facilitate all the different bits and pieces that kind of come together. So a day in the life of putting our books together and, and what that actually looks like. Because I don't think people realise how much is involved. No, well, I've got to be honest, I didn't, I didn't until I started doing it. Like, I think, I think like, oh, I don't know, I suppose it's true of a lot of things. But I think one thing that, that, that probably needs, that people need to be mindful of and that I didn't realise um, anywhere near as much is that because there's so much content on the internet, right? It seems like educational materials are at your fingertips at any time, 24 seven. Um, and you can keep your printer whirring away for days and days and days printing content from the internet. But the problem is, is that there is so much content that isn't doing children any favors and so the process I think that's been a real eye-opener for me is that the process in producing a single page in a textbook is phenomenal the number of people who uh, look at it the number of people working on it the number of times it gets changed adjusted evaluated considered it is phenomenal um, I should probably should know the number of people that that might have their eyes cast over a single page um but it's quite a few it's it's quite a few it is and if you think about it i think the bit that often people don't realize is that when you're talking about it in you know include it in it um the process by which we're kind of doing the final evaluation the evidence you know the evidence and the teachers and the testing and our accredited schools you've actually got everything from like academics like yep amazing kind of professor level doctor level minimum like experts in their fields and that could be assessment or it could be um maths mastery or it might be early years or whatever it needs to be for that particular product so from academic you've then got your educational writers um who who uh, predominantly come from um uh, an educational background so there's expertise there and then we've got our, our teachers, our teacher panels and our accredited schools that are reviewing uh, materials through through the um, through the process. And then on top of that are what I call our kind of like creative uh, teams. Um, so we've got our editors um, and then and then within that, you've got the development editors who are kind of developing the scripts and the production editors that are making sure that. Everything is absolutely, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, punctuations, right? Because we don't want kids to be receiving material where um, even in a maths textbook, the, the stuff they're reading isn't accurate. 
So yeah, I mean, it's like it's huge, isn't it? It's a it huge, and, and we haven't even gone into the illustrator, the designers, no. the people who are making, crafting, frankly, crafting the page layout to make it not only accurate but engaging. I also think that the level of interrogation that each page, I think that that would be difficult for anyone to understand who's not part of the process. And I think that, you know, on I can't tell you for how many hours we've had input from international academics, you know, the, the, the total experts in their field, both in the UK and internationally, you know, talking about something so small that might be the orientation of a triangle. And that might cause debate between people who who really are experts in the field, um, which does which does a few things. Well, number one, it, it, it's the level of rigor that should be there. You know, children are relying on us to ensure that the the content that's being produced will support their learning. Well, there's nothing more important than that. You know, that that has to drive everything and and take that really seriously. Uh, I think also is that it allows a greater understanding. You know, if we can make time as part of the process to discuss ideas around, I'll just use the same example, the orientation of a triangle. Should it be the base horizontal to the ground? Should it be slightly rotated? Those sorts of things. Then you start to unpick bigger pictures. And I think we should be expecting that level of rigor uh, when it's being used by huge numbers of children and these children we want to set them up for success we want to we want them to be engaged learners we want them to be curious and i think that those aspects that might seem quite subtle we know can have a profound effect in understanding and i think that if we want to demotivate people then give them content that's not well thought out. And I'll give you an example of that. I'll give you an example. It's not in a textbook, but um, I've worn quite a few hats in maths education. And one of them, I was working in a, or not working in a secondary school, I was in there, I was working for a university and training um, secondary school maths teachers. And one lesson that I saw that the children that, that came in to a particular lesson, there were four questions on the board. It was just standard. That's what they did. They came in, they got their books. You know, I think it was accepted that, that there was probably a five minute period where people sort of came in at different times. And I could see that what had happened this, with this trainee teacher is that the most difficult question was number one. So I watched the reaction of the children as they walked in and I could see that they looked up saw number one, realised it was too difficult, and immediately behaviour problems started. Now, that's something that is not particularly subtle. You know, you can look at that and say, well, well you know, like say in the Maths No Problem books, and I know this has been referred to in, in other podcasts, that start with a problem that, that can be defined as a, a low floor, high ceiling problem. So it's accessible, but it can be made into something more complex that if those same group of children walked in and they could start their mathematics, chances are the behavioural issues never would have started. But would the teacher have known that that subtle difference in the numbers that were chosen was the catalyst for a behavioural issue to start in the classroom, which then became the focus of the lesson and unfortunately took up a lot of what I talked about with this particular trainee, because it linked back to behaviour. All because, all because of the numbers that were chosen at the very beginning. 
So I think we need to be really mindful of the effect that these seemingly subtle changes or decisions can have in the grand scheme of things and immediately in the way that that children think or the way that pupils think. So I love, I love that um, story and the behavioural management idea there um, in terms of engagement and, you know, children being able to just get in and get on. And um, made me think as well, something else I think people don't realise is, you know, we're very mindful of things. We've talked about in other podcasts as well, the cognitive load. And, you know, when when the editor's editing, when, when you're writing or you're developing or, or someone else has written and you're, you're reviewing their work, wh- whichever role you're taking, Adam, in that moment, I think we're, we really are conscious, aren't we, of like trying to make things as familiar or, you know, when, when a particular question comes up, a particular question type, you know, we're very careful at making sure that the, the time can be spent on the learning or the the practice that needs to take place not in trying to work out what I need to do where possible um and I don't think people realize how much in that and that the design is a part of that as much as as, as yeah. say you know our development editors are constantly developing those manuscripts to try to 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 to, to, to consider that yeah absolutely and also that it links back to really sound research so it, it's it's not an opinion it's not just I think that this should go here because it loosely fits into something that I think is good that we should be able to justify all content uh, we should be able to relate it back to sound research that gives a, a really clear justification as to the reason why that's there and I think the other the other aspect is is that that I think we believe strongly that that everything on the page should be there for a reason and if the reason's not doesn't have a strong enough justification uh, linking back to learning and education then don't put it on there you know we're not in the game of just making pretty pictures you know or putting something on there because oh it might be engaging if there's a bumblebee doing figure eights above a flower now maybe (laughs) maybe there's a time and place for something like that but i think the point that i'm trying to make is is that we're not doing something just to make it aesthetically pleasing. That everything should be able to link back that the reason why this decision is made with the placement of something or the numbers that are chosen or the layout, whatever it may be, that there's a justification that links back to education research. And if we can't do that, then there shouldn't be a place for it. Um, and I just think, I just think that there's that point of the children are too special. Like you, you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't muck around with these kids. They get one shot at every one year group. Shot. One day. One shot. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, do I want to print something off from the internet when I don't even know the author? Do I know that they've they've considered all of these things? Do they even know the education research behind these decisions? Well, if the answer is no, then don't do it. You know, it's it's that simple. So, on the on the flip side of that, we do do it, and, and I'm 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 really pleased about that. Well, not pleased, that's a bit twee, isn't it? I'm really pleased about it. No, it's, it's absolutely essential that it's done. It would be yeah. negligent to not do it. That, that's, that's how I feel about it. And uh... I also think Ad, another thing, Adam, is um, I think people... So writing content um, without it being tested 
So, you know, we, we even with the academics, even with teachers, even with educationists writing the materials, even with the best designers, even with the best um, editors, you still need to take the materials, um, not necessarily the whole thing in one go, but like, you know, you need to be checking that as you develop a new product, it, you know, is it working? Is it working for the teacher? Is it working for the, for the learners? And making sure that, you know, when you're creating something from scratch, you have those, those touch points um, in the product cycle where the the content is tested because it's going into a classroom or potentially it's going home and have you made sure that whichever user is going to be facilitating this piece of work with the learner because obviously I'm thinking predominantly predominantly uh, in primary here but mm. you know that that can that that, that can t- take place and that if there's anything that isn't working or isn't clear or was misunderstood or misinterpreted even with all these amazing people you get to hear about it. Like the kids yeah. have a perception. The teacher can feedback. Oh, that's really good feedback. Now we can take that and we can ensure that, you know, before it's published, you know, we've tested it. And not only have we had the evidence that it works, we've tested that it's practical in the classroom. Sure. We've, we've got the best people working on it. We know pedagogically it's sound. And, we, and we've heard from the kids that they love the, the characters or they love this or they, you know, they're enjoying, they're engaged by the materials, you know, because if there's something tiny that can be done to make a difference, we, we're going to take the time to, to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think that the, sort of one of the last things that, that is really, um, that I've had my eyes opened up to is the enormity of the process and the necessity for the enormity of the process. I remember as a kid, and I used to, uh, there was always a program on, and, and at one time they were testing cars. And as part of the car testing, they crashed the cars. right? And I was thinking, that just doesn't make any sense at all, because these are good new cars, and they're crashing them into a wall. Now, obviously, they crashed them because they need to stand up to crashes and all the rest of it. I understand that now. But at the time, it was kind of like, take that part of the process out because you don't want to be going around crashing your cars. It'll cost you money. You don't want to do that. But I think that these are the sorts of things that we need to be, well, not just prepared to do, but we do do, that as part of that whole process, that everything has to be done to interrogate the integrity of it. And that was something as someone who, you know, I've worked as a teacher, I've worked as a head teacher, I've used the books, I've been trained, you know, I've, I've got a lot of experience with the product itself. Uh, however, it wasn't until, you know, I became part of that process that, that, that the, the, the rigour that, that is applied to it became so evident. And I think that that's incredibly reassuring. I mean, you know, you already, hopefully, you already know that, that that's the case, but but the, the level, the level of, of checks and balances to ensure that, that the children have got the absolute best product available to support their learning. Um, you can't do it by cutting corners. You know, you can't do it by not crashing the car into the wall. <laughs> it's gotta, you've got to do all of those things. And do you enjoy doing it? I love it. I love it. It's a privilege. It's not yeah. a privilege. So, yeah, no, no. Absolutely. And and you learn huge amounts off other people. And yeah, I, I think that's the other thing. This is going to sound really twee, right? But, but I'm going to go ahead with it anyway. Do but it. I think that at the heart of it is that you, everyone really is utterly passionate about 
the children using it and learning. And I know, I know that that probably one of the highlights of of my educational career, which spans more than two decades now, is um, being in a classroom in New Zealand. And I was uh, sitting on the floor with a group of children with, and they were using a lesson that I'd actually written, and they were they were talking about learning maths. And, and to have that from, from the start of the process where it's an idea, you know, and the number of people that get involved in it through to sitting in New Zealand, which is where I'm from, with some Kiwi kids looking at it and they're going, oh, yeah, the, 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 the pictures really helped me learn this maths, Mr. Gifford. Oh, is that, yeah, go on, is that true? What do you think about that picture there? Is that all right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a good one, that's a good one. It helps me do this and this and this. And you kind of think, oh, you know, at that point, that's pretty special and 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 what a privileged position to be in but also reminds you of just how important it is that 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 anyone that is involved with education and, and providing materials don't muck around with it eh? like it's far too important well adam that was super helpful and interesting i think it's it's nice to unveil the secrets behind the yeah. process that we go through yeah um so that book that the teacher's holding at nine ten or whatever time yeah. a lot of love went into that honestly a lot of love a bit of sweat few tears but you know <laughs> at the heart of it a real real motivation to, to try and help <laughs> teachers and kids that's brilliant yeah. thanks so much adam thank you joining us on the School of School podcast.